Welcome back to the program. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck sitting in for Alex Pearson. This is On Point. And we have had a great show so far talking about food, the good, which is the Michelin star guide that's coming to Toronto, and the bad, which is uh, some controversy surrounding Loblaws again about how their supply chains uh, operate and are they being transparent about the food and the items that we get that hit their shelves. And so uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about something that we've uh, all been talking about for the last two years, which is the pandemic. And uh, the backlogs that were created, that have been created by the pandemic for uh, elective surgeries, I I put elective in quotes because I often feel like that word elective makes it sound like, well, you can take it or leave it. I mean, for most people, they have to take it, right? I mean, if the doctor says, you got to get this x-ray to figure out why your hand is hurting, you know, it doesn't matter whether that's life or death. You're going to be walking around thinking, I got to get this x-ray, figure out what's going on in my hand or my shoulder or, you know, other things where might not be considered a priority, but in your world, it is a priority because until you get that figured out and get it diagnosed and get the proper, you know, whatever it is that you need, medicine, therapy, physiotherapy, you're not going to feel better. And so that this is really uh, affecting people's quality of life because the backlogs that have been created, doctors have been asked to, to take more, take more COVID-19 patients on. And often that means um, having to let other patients who may not have as severe uh, issues uh, having to wait on the sidelines. Uh, Dr. Catherine Smart is president of the Canadian Medical Association. She joins me now to talk about the fact that the backlogs are actually improving um, in the last little while. And uh, I wanted to get her take whether she feels that is a proper characterization or not. Welcome to the program, Dr. Smart. Thanks, Rubina. Great to be back. Um, so, yeah, so there's data out now that says that uh, we're getting better at managing uh, the backlogs, these elective surgeries that are often um, put to the bottom of the pile when uh, when there's more severe cases that happen because of the different waves that we've, how many, six waves, seven waves we've been through. Um, what's your reaction? Are they improving the backlogs uh, in our, our hospitals in Ontario or in Canada even? Well, I, you know, I think when we look at the CHI-HI data, we're seeing, we are seeing some catch-ups in some area or things that are, are starting to improve somewhat. Other areas, things haven't improved much. But again, you know, I, I think what's important is what the baseline is that we're comparing to. And, and I think it's, you know, one could clearly argue that the wait times even before the pandemic for many procedures were not ideal. Um, and we weren't meeting the targets, you know, in many areas of surgery for patients even pre-pandemic. So the fact that what we're kind of saying is, oh, we're getting back to those weights we had before, in my view, would be like, sure, that's, you know, good news, I guess, that we're starting to see a bit of progress. But I, I think we need to really aim higher and do better for Canadians. And Kai-Hai, for those people who don't know what that is, is the Canadian Institute for Health Information. And they're the ones that are saying that uh, these backlogs are improving. We're getting better uh, at e- with each wave at dealing with elective surgeries. And, and from their own data, there, are, uh, there were 600,000 fewer surgeries performed across Canada since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, what's the long-term implication, even if we're getting better at dealing with the backlog, um, of of all these elective surgeries, elective procedures of just being pushed down the road because there's just, there isn't a healthcare specialist or a doctor or whoever they need to see uh, available to them. 
Well, I think there's going to be, you know, significant repercussions from this. I mean, this is a huge number of people who have had their care delayed. Um, And then, of course, we know there's other people whose care have likely been delayed because they haven't even entered the system yet, right? You might be someone who's waiting for an MRI to get your surgical consults. You're not even on a wait list. And and, and people are often missing sort of from the data when they're in those situations. And then, of course, you're going to have people whose conditions have worsened, which might mean the type of surgery they need to have is more serious or invasive, or they might have had, you know, cancer screening missed, which now means their cancer is more advanced when they present to the healthcare system or they get further down the the diagnostic line. So I think we're going to see many Canadians who have um, worse healthcare outcomes than they may have had. And some of uh, some data from a a study that we did during the pandemic at the CMA showed that, that there is an excess rate of death from Canadians uh, during the pandemic, not attributable to COVID, that was likely due to not being able to access care. So I, I think we're going to find that the the implications of this are really significant. And, you know, I, I think the other piece that's so important is the suffering that's happened. You know, many of these folks that are waiting for surgery are waiting with serious symptoms, pain that's disabling, unable to work, unable to function in their families. Um, You know, there's a lot of orthopedic uh, procedures that have been delayed. And then the other side that we're hearing that's been really challenging is cataract surgery, right? So this is folks who can't see or are losing their vision. So these are not small problems that people are dealing with. And I really, you know, worry about how in a lot of ways we've almost normalized waiting and suffering in our healthcare system. And I think that that needs to stop. Yeah, I, that, you know, like I said at the top that, you know, it may be something that's considered elective, but for someone, for example, you said cataracts, I mean, that is something that every day it affects your quality of life until a doctor is able to see you, until you're able to get diagnosed and have some sort of uh, resolution, you know, uh, the, get a procedure done that's going to make your life better. At least you know exactly what you're facing rather than the sort of, you know, middle middle time that you are in where you've been told there's an issue, but no one is there to actually actually help you with getting with getting better. I, I remember last time we spoke, I was telling you about uh, my own situation with my kids and they hadn't seen the pediatrician for, I'm not sure if we had talked about this, but I have talked about it before. I had my, my own kids had, had not seen their pediatrician for two years. So we went finally because my daughter turned 10. I thought this is a great sort of milestone age. We'll just go and, and do sort of a checkup. And he's not seeing sick patients. So any patient that calls in and says, um, my daughter or son are sick, they have a fever, he sends them to ER. I'm wondering, is I, I, maybe I'm naive, but is that what's happening in um, doctor's clinics where if, you're, if, you're, if you have a fever or um, any signs of COVID that they're sending you, uh, sending you to the hospital rather than coming into clinic to get seen? I think there's still a lot of uh, physicians' offices that are struggling with how to manage that risk of COVID in that setting, right? Access to PPE for staff, knowing that there could be other vulnerable patients there in the clinic also waiting. So I think we are seeing uh, many offices still sort of struggling with how to deal with that issue. You know, should we be seeing acutely ill patients in our clinics or should they be being seen in a hospital setting where those protocols and access to PPE is is more abundant. Um, And this is, I think, you know, all part of the challenges in the healthcare system that we have to kind of come to terms with as we move forward. You know, COVID's not going anywhere. We're going to have to figure out how to manage it within the system. But that also means we need to give the right supports to physicians who are working in the community. Um, And and I think that's been a challenge throughout the pandemic is they've often been left out of the decision-making, haven't always had access to the tools 
tools that they need to keep themselves and other patients and their staff safe. Um, and I, I think as we move into, into thinking about COVID differently, which is sort of where we find ourselves now, uh, these are all things that we're going to need to be talking about. And I think what's really important is that those providers are part of those conversations so they can lay out what, what their challenges are and, and make sure they're collaborating with government about how to best move forward. I'm, I'm glad that we're meeting on a slightly more positive story, uh, talking about backlogs actually being reduced. Um, so some people who have been waiting to be seen uh, might be getting seen maybe sooner uh, than they expected. So that that's some bit of good news, but there's, I think, a lot of work to do to to make sure that, um, that we don't have these long wait times, that we don't have people waiting months and months to get uh, an MRI or get other another procedure done. Catherine, uh, Dr. Catherine Smart, thank you so much uh, for coming on the program and uh, breaking this down for us. Thanks for having me. That was Dr. Catherine Smart. She's the president of the Canadian Medical Association. I'm Rubina Ahmed-Huck. Uh, sitting in for Alex Pearson. This is On Point, and we'll be back after a quick break.